we talk about wellness and a lot of times it's it's mental and physical, but I, I think just as important of, of a piece of the pie for that is financial wellness. Because if you don't have your finances in order, you really can't take care of your mental and physical health. If you're so focused on trying to figure out how to pay rent or your car payment or your health insurance or what have you, you know, there's no way to really relax and, and focus on your well-being. And that was what was an aha moment for me is that there are so many people who being able to take care of your health and, and focus on wellness is a luxury. Fierce Lab is a podcast series for women. It's powered by the Tara Wilson Agency, the agency that gets women. It's a space to focus on our whole selves, from mental health to career development to financial intelligence. To be fierce is to be confident, capable, and strong. Fierce Lab offers inspiration, tools, and community. It's where we can explore new ideas and encourage discovery. Here, trying something new is celebrated. No one has it all figured out, but together, we can step fiercely into what's next. Hey guys, today I'm excited to sit down and chat with Alex Williamson. She is the CEO and co-founder of Astea. And you may recall that in 2019, she was one of our keynote speakers at Fierce Lab Live. Today, we talk about Alex's new journey into the founder world. Astea is a new type of insurance company that helps you protect your income. We talk about who this is right for, those that are in the gig economy, even those of us that might not think of an insurance product as a way to protect ourselves. We talk about mental and physical health and how important those items are and how they're tied to our financial health. This is a great conversation meant to help us level up with our financial intelligence as well as our mental health and self-care. I can't wait to hear what you think. Head over to Instagram and send me a DM at Fierce Lab and let me know. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad you're here. So for our listeners who may not have attended Fierce Lab Live in 2019, I'll just give you a bit of background. Alex joined us there for a fireside chat. And at that time, Alex, you were working at Bumble, right? Yes, I was there. Yeah, um, you I had been there at that point in time almost five years. Yeah, and you were the chief brand officer, and Bumble Biz was one of our partners for Fierce Lab Live, and we were just so excited that, Alex, you joined us. You are a Dallas native, and Fierce Lab Live happened in Dallas, so you came, and we got to meet your mom and dad and a few family members as well because they came to hear you speak. They had not heard you speak in person much. That's right. It was so nice to be home in Dallas for that because my family members, you know, never really did get the opportunity to be there. And it was really exciting and wonderful to have them there. And you all were so gracious and welcoming to them. So thank you so much for that. Oh, of course, of course. And when we talked to you at Fierce Lab Live, one of the things that we focused on in our discussion was one of our pillars, which is mental health and self-care. And that's really the direction that we're going to continue our conversation today because the topic of mental health and self-care is very near and dear to your heart, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's taken a, a long time for it to become near and dear to my heart. It was something I think, you know, back then, it was, I was probably at the beginning of a journey. 
to become to to develop more awareness around the importance of it. Um, I think that every every leader at, at companies should be thinking about mental health and self self care and protection of their employees. Um, so it was something that I was exploring from a business level, but had never taken to a personal level at that point. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's give our listeners a bit of background. We're going to talk about your work at Bumble in a minute and the five years that you were there. But before we go to that, let's sort of jump ahead to where you are now. So briefly, for our listeners that aren't familiar with Ostea, tell them a little bit about your new company. Sure. Um, I'm extremely excited about my new company. It is an income insurance company. Our entire mission is to provide income insurance for everyone of every income bracket, every profession. And our long-term goal is to is to make income insurance to help bridge the gap in the cost difference for men and women. And it's something that, you know, I actually ended up taking medical leave during my time at Bumble. And it was very wonderful that Bumble was so supportive of me in that moment. But had I not had that support from Bumble, I would have needed a form of income insurance as it's historically known as disability insurance in order to take that time to heal. And I realized that even having the access to that opportunity is a privilege and became really passionate about helping other people uh, safeguard their financial future, helping everybody safeguard their financial future so that, you know, that people have that ability to take care of their Mm -hmm. health should the going get rough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I really want to dig into that here in just a bit. So as I shared, let's back up to your time at Bumble. When you left, you were chief brand officer. When you started, you were working as like kind of the head of the digital marketing department. You were like employee number five. Is that right? I was not digital marketing. I was social media. I was there. Actually, I joined the company as a three-month contract employee to launch Bumble Dallas and was quickly brought on as the third hire about three weeks, two and a half, three weeks into that that time. And I built out the social media and was doing the brand copy. And so I came up with the voice and personality behind Bumble. And as the company grew, you know, that position grew and, and morphed in a lot of ways. And I was, by the time that I left, I was really um, working across almost every department in order to make sure that our mission and vision and values and brand were involved and and consistent everywhere within the organization. And that was from customer service, you know, product feature launches, marketing, brand initiatives, et cetera. So Alex, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> it was. A, a lot, lot of, of work and a lot of travel. Yes. And a lot of long hours. And I would think that that would have been a over time, the five years you were there, it became probably a taxing career experience on your physical and mental health. Would you say that's an accurate depiction? I would say I really believe in Bumble's mission and what it's it's accomplishing and the positive impact that it has had um, for so many people's lives. And so I was very energized by it and very motivated by the growth and the feedback and the stories. I got ordained and married a Bumble couple and was able to go be at their wedding. And I think that so much of that, like there was so much passion and heart in it, but I also was traveling, you know, not only for brand initiatives and activations, but for events and and press and also for, I would travel to our, our, our different satellite offices and 
and make sure that all, all of the team members everywhere also felt really deeply connected to the mission of the company. And so that was very physically taxing on my body. I was on planes, gosh, like three times a week and flying out of Austin. So these were not short flights. And at one point in the spring, hit a moment where my body just started to fall apart. I've had a pre-existing condition uh, that I've had for almost a decade now. And it's or at that point, it was a decade. Now it's about, it's gosh, probably 12 or 13 years. I've had it called fibromyalgia and it had never uh, impacted my ability to work. And I almost used work as, not, as a way to outrun the pain, mm. um, but it, it caught up with me. So Alex, so you were putting your health on the back burner and this was going toward what became the end of your time at Bumble, right? I'm trying to kind of set a timeline here. That was sort of spring, summer of 2019 that you started to experience the massive headaches and even more heightened physical fatigue. And you just said, I need a break, right? I actually didn't say I need a break. (laughs) At that point, there was a woman named Leah Heck, who was the VP of people and just an incredible, incredible human. And she was the one who pointed out to me that I should take a break. And I think that was one of the most trying moments on my ego was to have to admit that I wasn't okay. And that was a a pivotal moment for me. And so you decided after she pointed this out, I'm going to pause. And what did you do? I mean, I observed some of your experience through what you chose to share across social media. But for our listeners who aren't familiar, tell us a little bit about this journey that you went on once you decided, I need to pause my career and focus on my physical and mental health. I turned healing into a full-time job, for starters. Instead of of taking it easy, I thought of this as an opportunity, as, as she and I had discussed, to power heal. And so I spent a ton of time researching, and I, I spoke to Western doctors and at that point, had an opportunity probably two and a half months into my medical leave to see a pain management clinic out of Austin. But in that time beforehand, from recommendations from Western doctors, went an Eastern approach. And so I booked that very last minute. I flew to Thailand. I I lived for six weeks in a traditional Indian ashram. It was, I I didn't know it at the time, but it was wild at the, at at the time it was, it was part of the oldest yoga school in the world that I went and studied in. And it was a lot around the philosophy and psychology behind yoga. Um, And so I was studying that in Ayurveda and also working with Eastern doctors in Thailand at the time. It was, it was a very intense healing journey that I went Mm. on. And did that open way Did that give you space to start to think about, is this what I want for my life? Is this what I want to see in the world? You know, what happened when you returned from Thailand? What happened while you were there and and when you came back? And how has this evolved you to where you are now? Sure. While I was in Thailand, you know, it was living in this ashram and, and really completely disconnected from everybody and everything. And and it was the first time in five years that I wasn't thinking about connecting people through dating apps. I started thinking about ways that I could help other people find, you know, opportunities to heal from from illnesses and pain. And I think 
that was really where my wheels started to naturally turn while I was there. And by the time that I left there and came back, you know, was back to Austin, you know, I realized it was, it was really my time to, to move on from the company. And at that point, the company was going through, you know, a change of control as well. And it, it just felt like I had given everything that I, I felt like I'd given everything to Bumble that I could close that chapter proudly and move on to something else. And so you decided with this space to do something new, you wanted to find and create something in the world that you knew you needed. And Ostea sort of became part of that journey for you. Is that, tell me a little about that. I think one of, you know, what we do, you know, especially I think entrepreneurial people, it's like, you do work on things that you need <laughs> and, and maybe it doesn't always work out, you know, like dating apps, like you, like I was at that point, a single woman dating and wanting, you know, to be able to define my own terms with this. It's, I saw how beneficial taking medical leave was for, for me and wanted to be able to provide more people with access to products that could help them in worst case scenarios. And this company that I've become a part of really felt like a the right space to start that journey of figuring out really how to provide more people with access to that, to opportunities to protect their finances while they heal. Yeah, because it would seem that your physical and mental health are tied so closely to your financial health as well. And if one is faltering, you really need the other one to hold you up. Was that what you were seeing as you were making this decision to walk away from Bumble and look to create something that allowed you to grow and develop something for people in, in this new space of physical and mental health and wellness? I think, you know, something that I experienced firsthand was at that point, Bumble had become a household name and something that most people were aware of if they hadn't used it, knew what Bumble was. And I realized through that, that no, when my health was, was down, it was, you know, there's no amount of success. You really can't buy back your health or like, you know, uh, over accomplish, you know, and it doesn't matter if you, if you don't have your health in order. And I think we talk about wellness and a lot of times it's it's mental and physical, but I, I think just as important of, of a piece of the pie for that is financial wellness. Because if you don't have your finances in order, you really can't take care of your mental and physical health. If you're so focused on trying to figure out how to pay rent or your car payment or your health insurance or what have you, you know, there's no way to really relax and, and focus on your well-being. And that was what was an aha moment for me is that there are so many people who being able to take care of your health and, and focus on wellness is a luxury. Mm -hmm. Wow. And you're so right. And I can hear the passion in your voice. And I think that, I mean, you're an entrepreneur, right? We, we are passionate by nature about what we do, but you're so closely connected to the problem that you're solving for that you can really hear that passion come through for the work you're doing with Ostea. Yeah, I, I am very passionate about it. I just think that it is mind blowing to me. So this product has been around, you know, the traditionally, and we've reimagined it. It's it's traditionally called disability insurance, which I think is a misnomer. 
that doesn't accurately explain what the product is there for, which is to supplement your income, you know, should, should you no longer be able to work? And it's been around since the 50s. So many people haven't had access to it. And to me, when I started to learn about it, when I met my co-founders, I realized that this is arguably, at least in my opinion, the most important insurance product that you can buy yourself. Without it, you can't pay for your other insurance products if something happens to your income. But it is a product that so much, so many people in our society have been essentially like locked out of having any access to because it's been like traditionally mainly shared with people who are at larger organizations or doctors, lawyers, you know, executives, you know, they're, they're the ones who have access to this product, but there are so many people who are self-employed. You know, if, if you consider yourself part of the gig economy, like there are so many people who've, who've never even heard of this product, including myself after taking medical leave, I didn't even know about this mm-hmm. product. And now, I think there it's something people should know about. What's the difference between disability insurance and income insurance? Is there a difference or is this just a nuanced way of saying the same thing? It's a nuanced way of describing this product. I think I think it's a more accurate way of describing what it actually is and what it does. And I think, you know, myself included, when people hear disability insurance, when you hear it, you think, oh, that doesn't really apply to me or that's not something that I'm going to need. But and so it's brushed aside, but it really is a hugely important policy that that more people should have. So let's kind of get into the nuts and bolts. Like, how does it work? What does it provide? How does it kick in? And then how does one go about securing income ins- insurance and, and who needs it? I know there's a lot of questions in there. <laughs> so let's kind of take it step by step. So how does it work? Sure. So we have within our, our organization several products, but the product that I'm most excited to share with you today is is our product that is the first of its kind and the fact that it is fully digital and available online. Typically, to purchase income insurance, it can take 30 to, to 30 to 90 days to get from quote to policy. There are historically really rigorous, intense medical exams involved in it, blood work, questionnaires, and we've been able to automate this underwriting, as, it, as it's called, this underwriting process, and provide people with the access to get from quote to policy in a matter of minutes online. Um, so it's available online at astea.world, and you go there and you you can get a, a, a quote, but you can also go through the a- application process and get the policy to your inbox within a matter of minutes. And so that's the simplified approach that that we've taken to change the the industry. Wow. Okay. And anyone, you mentioned individuals that are entrepreneurs or in the gig economy, but what if I also work for a big corporation? Is it possible? And, And let's say it's not offered through my corporation. Is it possible that I can apply for my own policy on my own? Absolutely possible. And not only that, if you have a policy from an employer, it's also a a wonderful supplemental policy that you can purchase, you know, to protect against worst case scenarios. So the first product that that we have online is a, it's a one-time payout. Uh, So this is a product that's available if you're, if you are no longer able to work again, meaning you cannot work at, at your current job ever. And we have uh, more products that are rolling out quickly down the pipeline. 
so that's how you you get this product is online and anybody can who qualifies can purchase this product and there you can think of it as is it your sole income protection or supplemental income uh, income protection Hey guys, I wanted to take a few seconds and ask if you've purchased your tickets to Fierce Lab. You can find those at fiercelab.tarawilson.com. We will have Fierce Lab live on October 2nd in Dallas, Texas at Hotel Zaza. Again, the website is fiercelab.tarawilson.com. Now back to the show. And when I think about this, I'm like, Hmm, is it right for me? I mean, I'm young, I'm healthy, and that sort of thing. And I, I think your experience speaks to the fact that even if you're young and healthy and things seem to be going okay, you really need to stop and consider what if something changes? And this is a plan. You know, we talk at Fierce Lab about financial intelligence. And I see this as a component of being smart about your money, your income in particular. And so we really should be mindful, even if we are young and healthy. Is is that what you tell individuals? I would say yes. And the reason being, you just, unfortunately, we never know. Like Life is not, you know, health is never a guarantee in life. And I think if anything is morbid as it sounds this past year that we've all experienced together, you know, it's, I think it's, if ever there's a time to realize that nothing is really guaranteed and that things in your life can change, you know, I think that a lot of people's eyes have been open to that over this past year. And I think it's important, you know, in seeing that and seeing, you know, the mass amount of people who even lost jobs through COVID, it's like if something happens in your life and something happens to your physical health and you cannot work, you know, what what do you do? If you can't pay your rent, like where are you going to go? Even if you're young and healthy, you you move in with your parents, you know, you become, you something happens to you, like what does that look like and how does that shape out? And so, you know, we're a company that is focused on long-term income insurance. And when you think of disability insurance, you think in a lot of ways that this is only something that you you have if, if you're in an accident or something. But really, 90% of the claims of, for long-term disability insurance and long-term income insurance is it's health-related. And the top five claims are mental nervous, musculoskeletal, back problems, cancer, and heart conditions. And when you really look at that and, and break it apart, nothing really is guaranteed or promised in life. And it's important to have some sort of financial cushion is is a responsible thing to have for yourself. Mm -hmm. It sounds like Ostea is really changing the narrative around this form of insurance. Is that an accurate description? Is that important to you? It's so important to me because I think that the way that it is, it's described right now, it's, you know, it's difficult to understand. It doesn't feel applicable to many people, but it is, it's something that is there needs to be more education and awareness around it. I mean, this is an insurance policy that, like I said, in the worst case scenarios, it's not being paid out to a doctor's office or a hospital. Like it's going directly to the person to empower them to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. It's an income supplement. Yeah. So critical. So critical. Does Ostea stand for anything? I mean, tell me about this name. (laughs) Yeah. 
Astea, it's a very interesting, for me, very interesting that we ended up naming the company Astea because it's actually the day that I left Bumble, I went and had the word Astea tattooed on my wrist in Sanskrit. It was something that I had learned during my own wellness journey that over that summer of, of trying to heal. And it's a word that is one of the yamas and the niyamas of, of yoga. And what it means is it's non-stealing is the meaning of Astea. And that means not taking more than you need or deserve from the earth, from others, or from yourself. And I thought it was the most beautiful way to describe boundaries and to describe like a really easily understandable way to treat our lives and to treat other people on the planet. And so it became something that for me, when we were rethinking this company and really thinking about the vision of it, not only did I think, does it matter for your future? Because you steal from today. If you're worrying about tomorrow, you steal from your future. If you're not taking care of your health today, or you're not taking care of your finances, all of that is, is, is a way that we steal from ourselves, you know, every day. And then in terms of building a company culture, Astea is as a way that I really I see that as important. You know, it, it's as granular as taking credit for someone else's work or micromanaging or not letting somebody speak in a in a conference room all of that those are ways that we steal from each other every day without realizing it Mm, that's beautiful i love the story behind the business name And, and it gets back to just noticing how passionate you are about this journey that you're on you know and speaking of being on this journey i mean here you are back in the startup world and by your own admittance you worked really hard those first five years when Bumble was starting. What's it been like for you, for your mental and physical health, being back in this startup pace and environment? It's a great question. You said earlier, we build the products and the companies that we we need. <laughs> so I think in a lot of ways, you know, people who push mission companies, at least for me, you know, there's a lot that I could learn from the mission as well. So I say that I say all of this to say I'm imperfect. I'm not a role model example of of self-care, but I think that, you know, what it's being back in the startup grind, it has become more important to me to take stock of how I'm feeling and to pivot quickly. If my health is, you know, or if I'm starting to feel body pain, what have you, to really make sure that I'm taking time to take care of myself so that I can you know, when you run with a lot of passion, you can run yourself to the ground. And so in order to continue and to thrive while working, it's been very important for me to practice self-care. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like you're looking at your experiences from your time at Bumble and doing things a bit differently. You're, you're listening to your body. You're listening to your health. And to your point, you're pivoting sooner than you did time before? I think also, yes. And also like listening to employees as well and encouraging that sort of self-examination with team members. I think, you know, it's once things, you know, you hit growth moments in companies or when you're in a startup, it's so important to help remind people to take care of their, their health and their well-being and the things that make them mentally happy. Because if you're, if you you know, stress yourself or burn yourself out. It's hard to be creative. It's hard to think 
on your feet, it's hard to really show up excited about work. Yeah, you really have to give yourself that space and you have to give your employees that space to disconnect and recharge. Mm -hmm. And especially after the year we've come off, a lot of people are talking about the burnout that they have been experiencing. And and we know that that leads to so much lower productivity and heightened health issues, both mental and physical. So I think that's really nice to hear as a startup founder that you're creating that safety and that safe space for your team members as well. I, I think it's important to do because you know, when people join startups, typically these are overly ambitious people. These are people who are overachievers and perfectionists. And, you know, when it's mission-based companies, really passionate about what you're doing. And so my team works incredibly hard and fast paced. And so that encouragement, I think, is something that you, you have to do to protect them and to protect you know, I think it it protects the value that they bring to your company. Mm -hmm. I want to shift gears a little bit. And I asked you if it was okay to discuss this and you said yes. So you're expecting your first child later this year. Congratulations. Next month. Oh, oh, next month. Oh, wow. So exciting. Yes. Lots on your plate here. Well, and I've recently been talking to a lot of the women in the Fierce Lab community about the topic of family planning and starting a family. And one of the things that recently came up was women were expressing their concern over stepping away or slowing down or transitioning from their career to think about family planning and to start motherhood. And I wonder if you have experienced any of that trepidation and what you've discovered and uncovered and how you've worked through that, if you were to be speaking to these women, what would you say to them based on your experience? I would say, first off, whatever people decide to do when it comes to motherhood and careers is the right choice for them. So if you decide that you no longer want to work and you want to be a stay-at-home mom, which in my opinion is the hardest job, then that is the right move for anyone. I am someone who wants to continue to work. It's hard for me to think about taking maternity leave, but I, you know, I think part of what, what I would also recommend is managing stress. If you are building a career and you are working and you're also family planning, like I've like in my, in a past life, like I I had tried to get pregnant for about eight months and that it didn't work, thankfully, in hindsight. But but where I am now, I mean, I think that I had gotten to a place where my body was had been forced to, you know, COVID, there was no travel. I think I was, my body had gotten to a place where it was less stressed. Um, and I think that that helped. And that would be a recommendation that I would, would give is to find ways to manage your stress and enjoy life as much as possible if you're trying to family plan. And then on top of that, you know, I just like a sidebar, I think women who decide to continue working, you know, there's a lot of questions. And especially when you're building a company and a lot of questions about women's capability of continuing to work while they're pregnant or work, you know, when they're they're having a family. And I think I mentioned this to you, I would bet on 
a woman who is pregnant and continuing to work probably over anyone because pregnancy can be really difficult. It's really taxing on your body. It's really challenging. And I think that adding that layer of having a life to look out for will only make somebody more tenacious in their career and in their, it puts a different perspective on things. And a woman who's willing to fight through and continue her job while dealing with all of the side effects of family planning or being pregnant or, you know, coming off the other, the other end of it. Like that is a, a, I believe that women are, and mothers are a force to be reckoned with. Mm -hmm. I echo your sentiments. I do think that knowing the women that I know that are mothers and are new mothers and have worked with me or I've worked closely with them in partnership, you're right go-getters and, to your point, bet on them any day of the week. The other thing I thought about as you were talking is that as we start to see more women step into places of leadership, I think conversations such as this will become even more prevalent. And women who've gone down that path and can empathize with the experience and normalize the experience and start conversations and share that, hey, just because I'm pregnant doesn't mean I can't achieve all these things. I think we'll start to see even more women embracing both career and motherhood. And it's so antiquated that we have to have these discussions and that it's, you know, women are asked if they're still wanting to work or, you know, how they're going to juggle it or whatever. And my sort of take on that is that it's also so there's inequality in the way that we treat men, too. I think, you know, men have historically been, you know, in a lot of ways in our society, especially in the U.S. and where I grew up in the South, you know, they're known as the breadwinners. They focus on work and career, and that's really what their, their family role has been. And we're seeing that shift, which is incredible. But still, I mean, it's like if we're asking women, like, how are you going to juggle, then I think as leaders, you should be asking men, like, what are you doing to show up for your family? You know, like, how can we help support that as well? Like, how you do to prioritize that versus it, it just being like, like this onus on women to figure out how to do everything. Like, leaders should be encouraging men to step in and help in those moments with, yes. with their family as well. And you bring up a very valid point. Thank you for saying that. When I wrote this question, even though we'd had the conversation that we might bring this up, I still felt uncomfortable because I was like, would I ask a man this question? Does, does this even matter, right? The things that Alex is doing and the business that she's building and the products that she's bringing into the world, her being pregnant have no bearing on that. If anything, it makes me more passionate about protecting women's reproductive health, but no, it has no bearing on it. On And no bearing mm -hmm. on your ability to be successful mm -hmm. and to drive this company forward. And so it's not lost on me that as a female entrepreneur who has a podcast for women, that I still felt the need to ask the question, you know? And so I appreciate that you call it out. Because it is something that we have to continue to call out and drive forward. And the goal would be that it becomes a non-issue in the future. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm a big believer that the only way that you can really 
get there is to look at it from both dynamics. So, you know, not only, you know, should that be something that it's assumed that a woman can handle it, but also men should be challenged in their support at home too, and should be encouraged to do that. Mm -hmm. And I am enthused that we're seeing both of those things more prominently and they're becoming more prevalent, but we're not there yet. There's no doubt about it. Every, I mean, listen, everything takes time. That's what, you know, as we're building out this insurance company as well, I mean, like working against the old school approach and, and working in it with it and, and bringing in a, a new school philosophy to it. I mean, these are not things that change overnight when you have legacy, if it's like, you know, legacy societal expectations or legacy industries, like that shift, it's not immediate. Things things are slow moving. It's it's slowly rolling a rock up a hill. And I think that, you know, we all are in living in a, a time and space right now where we have so much instant gratification at, at our fingertips, where we see changes immediately. We see, I think that the best things and, and positive movements, they do take time. Yeah. And they're worth it. Typically. And they're worth it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Well, speaking of worth it, it has been worth it to have this conversation with you today. I'm so grateful that you've joined me. But before I let you go, you know that the question that I ask all my guests at the end is, I want to know what the word fierce means to you. Ah, I do know this. And I would think that my answer would change. You know, I think fierce means to me, it means a lot of things, but I think that it's uh, protecting. Another way to look at Ostea is it's all about the circle of abundance. And I think that fierce means protecting that and whatever abundance looks like to you in your life. It's having the courage to go after it and protect that and to protect those, the things that are the values in your life that are the gems that, that make you feel complete and worthy and ready to show up for every single day. Like, I think that it is a fierce move to protect all of that. And if that's in your health, your mental, physical, or financial health, that's to me, the way to go about it. I love that. To be fierce is to protect the abundance that you have so that you can continue to have that abundance and and share it, really. Alex, thank you for joining me today and sharing your story of how you've evolved from your days at Bumble to launching Astea and the work that you and your team are doing. It has been great talking to you. It's been great talking to you. Thank you. You've, you've, you are so supportive and I really, really cherish that. Thank you so much for inviting me on and supporting my new venture and always being somebody who is, you feel like somebody who's always in Entrepreneur's Corner. So I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fierce Lab. If you did, I would appreciate it if you would subscribe and maybe share it with a friend. You can always follow us on Instagram at Fierce Lab.